Hey, this is Paul Alia. And this is Alex Sanunzio. We're from Jam, where comedy meets collectibles. And we're on the edge of NFT, where Ethan, Jeff, and Josh get to meet cool and funny people like us in Web3. Lucky bastards. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out why comedy and NFTs are a match made in heaven or LA or Chicago or Cambridge or anywhere else, really. And why Edge of NFT beat out getting gas for a stalled car abandoned in the middle of Detroit. And how another great member of our community is spreading good energy and gratitude through giraffes, perhaps the next great beast to take the NFT world by storm. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Alex Denunzio, CEO and co-founder of Jam, and comedian Paul Elia. Jam is the first digital collectibles marketplace focused on comedy and founded with a mission to transform the way of novel content. Prior to founding Jam, Alex was employee number one at Asset Block, a blockchain-based real estate investment platform. He also led product development at Fuse, a leading SaaS communications company. Despite living in Boston and having an MBA from Harvard, Alex remains loyal to his hometown of Buffalo and can be found whispering the lyrics to the Bills' shout to his four kids as they sleep to ensure they follow suit. Paul is a Chaldean Assyrian comedian from Detroit, Michigan, best known for his frequent sketch characters. He's also the co-creator of the Loki Comedy Show, which has been featured in Deadline, The Tonight Show, and the Netflix is a joke comedy festival. Hey guys, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Ethan, that was some awesome bio reading. Let me just say, I feel like this hype, I feel more hype than I really am. That's awesome. Well, I do have a bio PhD, so I should be good at bio reading. <laughs> He's definitely the man of that. Well, guys, it's so great to have you on. We've done over 100 episodes here, and, and we talk about a lot of different concepts and applications of NFTs. And one that we've always talked about in the background and loved and thought about a lot is stuff related to comedians and their podcasts and their shows. There's so many fun things that happen in those episodes, so many impromptu things and shows that pop up. It's just a fun, cool, very relevant category. And so it's great to see what you're doing here. We'd love to know a little bit about the origin story for our listeners. You know, Give us the deets on it. Yeah. It started with comedy and it's been comedy watching The Machine, for those of you who aren't familiar with that particular bit. And my co-founder says to me, like, wait, you've never seen this before. I said, no, I've never seen this before. It's like, okay, right now in this conference room, like, let's go. So we're in the middle of a giant office building. The, <laughs> we end up with a whole bunch of people outside. We're watching the machine. Bert's got a shirt off. And like we're watching over lunch. And I said to him, like, do you think that he knows that we're watching this right now? It's like, no way he knows that we're watching this right now. It's like, okay, well, that's a problem. How is it that he doesn't know that we're watching this right now, that there's not 20 people that have seen the machine that hasn't seen it before? And why can't you own this thing or like participate with it more deeply? And then, of course, I showed him the like closing scene of the first episode, first season of Silicon Valley is like an exchange. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. 
And then next thing you know, we're building a platform sort of centered around helping comedians get their work out in new ways and just some many amazing things we'll get to. That's the rough basics. Cool. Anything else to share upon like origin story in terms of you guys getting together, Paul? Like what's the story behind how you came into contact and how you established this relationship? Oh, well, I was in Utah and my buddy Azar Usman was doing a show for Jam and they were doing Hannibal Burris's show. And I was on my way there just to hang. And then Uzzer was like, yo, Brandon, Paul's a comic. Let him just do five minutes. So I went up, I did five minutes and it was awesome. On our way over there, Uzzer was like, oh, so your set's going to be NFT'd. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? So he basically gave me the, I would say elevator pitch, but it was really the Subaru Outback pitch <laughs> of what it was. And it just sounded like so cool. I was just like, wait, so basically the set that I have could essentially exist as a piece of art and someone can purchase this and then I can basically get money from these dick jokes. Like this is the dream. (laughs) And honestly, like I started to, after I did the show, I was really happy with the way the show went. It was really dope meeting Brandon and I met Val as well and Tamika and a lot of the jam team. And they just seemed like people that just really cared about the comedians and comedy. I mean, there's so many, especially in this business, people just want to put their hands in your pocket and they want to own your stuff and own your audio. And then like, I had no buddies who've done different deals with their comedy albums. And I'm like, how's your album playing on all these major radio stations, Sirius XM or whatever it's playing on whatever platform. And you're receiving a check for X amount of dollars. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. So I'm just really grateful that there are people out there who want to help comedians and also lovers of comedy just get more tapped into the comedy space. And then I told Brandon about Low Key Comedy Show, which is a show we started during the pandemic. And then we did our first Low Key Jam collab at the Wayfarer Hotel last month, which was awesome. It was an awesome show. We had Damian Waynes Jr., Beth Stelling, Ian Edwards and I hosted it together, Matt Reif, Candace Thompson. I mean, it was a fire ass show. I was just going to say, and Andy got the chance for the 50 people that were there, 75 people, whatever we sold out to have a drink with Paul and like hang out with people. Just like this idea of like bridging real life with digital world. I feel like it's talked about a lot in our ecosystem, but not actually executed on. And so these guys are hanging out after doing their set. They're not going straight out to go do their next 10 minutes on stage. And it was just such a stark contrast to what I've seen elsewhere. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I was just going to say, when I was living in New York, got a chance to kind of hang out with people that were in the scene of the New York comedy scene and just watch. I would go to some open mics sometimes. And a lot of these comedians, as with other domains of the arts, they're just really focused on their work. They really just want to get better. They want to get through all of the rough patches that they can get better. And it's interesting how NFTs are offering a bit more of this ownership of that time, right? Like this ability to say, I was there early. I was an early supporter. I was hanging out with them. I was part of the process of what was happening. So it's an interesting use case there. And I think it is great to have folks that are concerned with like bringing that to that audience too, because there's only going to be a handful of folks who are naturally involved in something like NFTs. And the Um, comedians, just to dial in on that too, there are very, very few creative arts where the audience is part of that creative process in such an explicit way. It's so hard to work on your routine, on your jokes, on your show, 
without being in front of a live audience, right? You do it in front of the mirror or mom and dad or something. You're just not going to get that same feel. And actually working on that and evolving that in front of a live audience, the audience is part of that creative process, right? The feedback you're getting from them, the iteration that happens based on that feedback. And for them to be able to take a step further and kind of own a piece of that or have a part of that process and to be able to say, when Paul dropped his first iteration of X joke that became this classic, I was there in, in the improv or whatever when he first dropped it or whatever. And I had that moment, one of a hundred that's created or whatever, right? There's something really special about that. And it's just different from almost any other creative venture that's out there. The fans are not typically that integrated in the process as they are with comedy. Just a suggestion too, I, there should also be, I was there and I didn't heckle NFT. Just to like, yeah. yeah, I was there and I didn't slap the comedian. <laughs> For me, learning more about the origin story harkens back to one of my favorite movies. I'm sure you guys know Dying Laughing. I think it was like a documentary in 2016. And there was this part of it where they talk about like bombing on stage and it was brutal. Like it felt like a gut punch as you're hearing some of that sort of conversation. And but at the same time, comedy needs that audience. And I'm kind of curious for you guys, to what extent COVID do you think made you more receptive to the concept of collaboration like this, given that sort of need for having that interactivity with an audience and some of the constraints that put on things? Do you think you would have done something like this if it hadn't been for COVID? Well, we started our show originally at the comedy store. It was called Loki Upset. And then when the COVID happened, no one was doing comedy. I mean, the only comedy show in town, I think Michael Che made his attempt at doing comedy and he did two shows in New York. And Dave Chappelle, I think he started his camp and then it turned into what it was. And then in LA, no one was doing anything. So we were just like, we just need to do a show. So we just got a pickup truck. We got some comics. People came and every comedian who did our show, I remember talking to Sam Muriel right before he went on stage and he was just like, I am nervous as fuck. And he's like, I've never felt this way in so long because it's been four months and he's performing for this starved group of people. Then he went up and it was awesome. It was great. Everyone had a great time, but I didn't think I really understood the comedian audience connection until that first show, until I really saw like people's faces and people who haven't listened to comedy or heard comedy finally get the opportunity to do that. So it was just like really cool. Yeah, I think Josh, what we saw, we did a show called Non-Fungible Joke in last July at the Dynasty Typewriter in LA. And we had 15 comedians. I mean, LA had just lifted the ability for us to be in the venue. I mean, the first night we had half the audience turned away because they didn't have the right vaccine card. It was a disaster from that perspective after putting on this huge production. But the point, I mean, I remember talking to Shante Waynes and Zainab Johnson and the all best selling and like before the show and, and just being like, this is the first time I've been on stage in a long time. And what an interesting set of learnings of like the dependency we all had on stage time. And what about a way to sort of take the things that we're doing and give it life outside of it having to be done live? And what about audiences that aren't quite here? And so I just, some of those, like the percolation of those stories starting then, and then now progressing a year later with doing live shows with Paul and Loki and some of these amazing things. Like it's just been a journey that sort of started at that moment, really. And so yeah. fun that the machine is part of that story too, right? Just given its kind of prominence in comedy culture or for fandom, at least right now, it's a fun place to start exactly. for such a funny cat, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also when we started doing our shows and then like people who weren't able to attend, we just put some clips online and then we just saw like this vast reach of people who were just like, 
can you stream this? Is there any way I can see this? How can I be a part of this? I mean, I definitely think COVID definitely just accelerated this digital age that we were already in. So I feel like this is just perfect timing for comedy NFTs and just NFTing of just other forms of art. I'm just realizing this too, like the whole COVID situation made me not only crave laughing, but to crave laughing until I cry. I don't know why. Like, I just like, <laughs> I'm laughing at this, but I need to find something where I laugh until I cry. Like that is what I need right now. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> People just see you. You're just like in despair. Like what's wrong? You're like, it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know from you guys about the roommates drop because we've been chatting here going back and forth, but tell us a little bit about what that's all about. I mean, Paul, why don't you start with roommates? Like that's a great place to start. Oh yeah. So Ian Edwards is a brilliant comedian, hilarious, good friend of mine. He shot his special called Ian Talk, which is available on Comedy Central streaming platforms. And he was like, man, I want to promote the show, but I want to find a clever way of doing it. I was thinking maybe we can just shoot some sketches. And I was like, yeah, what are you thinking that we should do? And then Ian was like, man, I just want to do something simple and hilarious. It doesn't need to be some elaborate through line of like deep meaning and motifs and symbolism. He's like, let's just do a show about two guys that live together and we'll just write the characters similar to ourselves and we'll just go from there. So Ian has a character named Ian. I have a character named Paul. And then we <laughs> met up at a, we met up at the Bourgeois Pig, which is a restaurant coffee shop in LA. And then Ian was like, hey, I have some drafts for some episodes. And I read these and I was like, okay, great. So you terrorize me in every episode. And then I just kept looking at these. I'm like, these are so funny. And we just like found this great balance of humor in a short amount of time because each video was like a minute and a half long. And then at the very end, we would tag Ian's comedy special. And then we just kept doing more of these. And then eventually I would walk into comedy clubs and every club I'd walk into, like I remember I ran into Dane Cook and he was just like, man, the roommate shit is fucking hilarious. And I'm just like, man, like all these comics that I was familiar with, I was cool with, maybe didn't have a personal relationship with, were all just coming up to me like, bro, this is so funny. Like Ian was telling me that he went to a party with Sarah Silverman and she stopped him to tell him ideas that she has for future episodes. So it really became a comedian niche show. Like a lot of comedians would love it and they weren't getting a massive views at first. And then eventually when we started putting out more and collabing with different people, collabing with like Maz Jabrani and another influencer named Violet Summers and like she posted our video and it was getting like millions of views and like hundreds of thousands of shares. And then it really just started to take off. And then we reformatted the clips, put them on TikTok. They have millions of views now. And it's really just started off as something we wanted to do to promote his special. And it just turned out to be its own separate show. And we're really excited to be partnering with Jam on this drop and to share this with everybody. That's amazing stuff, man. Like when we think about NFTs these days, especially some of the most beloved ones, they come with a lot of utility like background on additional features and privileges that holders get. What do you guys have cooking for roommates? You want to talk about the booth? I mean, like we got some interesting things. This like utility piece is like, is quintessential. I think for us, it's, you can't just like buy something and just, hold. there has to be more these days. And so we're right there with you, Jeff, but I don't know, Paul, we've got some interesting ideas. First of all, the drop is consisting of some of the best moments from roommates. And so you'll be able to own these moments. And then, we have like a bunch of real life things that we're going to give to people who buy these NFTs. I mean, pause it. Your boots or who's wearing the boots around right now? Ian currently has the boots. All right. 
So like a pair of Timberland boots properly sweated in by one of the comedians. This is going to be like a beloved item on someone's mantelpiece. And I just can't wait to just be like, hell yes, I'm the person with these boots. And they're every single time someone walks in the house, that's the thing that people are talking about. But we're going to do things, the ability to meet Paul and Ian and have like digital sessions with them and like various ways to actually be at a low key show when these things are being filmed and sort of having audience participation as much as possible and Having this sort of like narrative that we don't have to know all the answers right now, but just the idea of building these relationships that are like lasting in years and be able to add value to people who've made the like kind of purchase are excited early on and then layering things on over time. I think that's one of the sort of philosophies we've got. Yeah. And authentically, I think saying that, right? Like knowing that you're not going to, it's not going to be a rug pull, right? You're going to stay there. You're going to stay committed to the project. You're going to add value. Most of those things don't necessarily even have to cost money, right? There's a bit of access, there's a bit of time, there's a bit of additional content, right? That you're already creating anyway that can add value. So many like really amazing things that the fans are going to dig, I think. So that's pretty cool. I love the boot idea too, by the way. It's, yeah, it's yeah. One reflection I had is, believe it or not, Ethan, Jeff, and I have all done improv at some level, some of us a little bit more than the others. And I think there's an element- You're not of- allowed to share that without <laughs> consulting me first. Sorry. Well, it's out of the bag. So whatever, you can edit it out of the show if you want, but that wouldn't be very cool because it's an interesting, fun fact. And my point here is that there's an element of improv to what you guys are building in the roadmap. I'm curious to how much you're sort of thinking about the improv side of comedy in that subgenre when it comes to this project. Oh, I was going to just to piggyback off that. I mean, I feel like just with the growth of podcasting, people just want to hear what you want to say now. Just say it. And like, I think real genius comes on its feet. And some of the comedians, their best jokes like, oh, I thought of that earlier. And I just said this thing that I thought of. So I definitely feel like this improv format, which is what I wanted low key to be like after the comedians would do stand up, the audiences would have an opportunity to just hear them just talk. And I feel like showcasing that side of comedy is really important. And people feel like it's just a hangout. They're like, man, I feel like I'm just hanging out with these people, which is also one of the important keys of low key, which is just people were looking for comedy and it's like, oh, I can also see them do stand up. And then, oh, I feel like this is like a hang. So it just feels more connected. So definitely this, the improv format. And I think it's going to continue to grow. Like even more shows are starting to do that now. Yeah, kind of like MTV Unplugged, right? (laughs) (laughs) Look at the MTV roster. It's just all ridiculousness. Yeah. (laughs) What a deal Rob Dyrdek put together there. Have you seen, like, if you're listening to him talk about it, he's like, yeah, I just did a deal for like 200 episodes with MTV. What? Like, it's insane. Like, that's serious. I'm not even exaggerating. It's crazy stuff. He He gets like a million dollars or more per episode, right? Something ridiculous. Yeah, something like that. It's a sick deal. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how many more videos are there of people falling on their shoulder? Plenty. <laughs> I thought that genre was over with the America's Funniest Videos. God bless Bob Saget. But apparently it just can keep going like forever. <laughs> so guys, you've done some other really cool drops like Hannibal Burris, Pete Holmes, Tom Segura. What were those collabs like? And how has that sort of evolved jam? What have you learned from those experiences? We started off with non-fungible joking, as I was mentioning before. I think what we were trying to prove is that we could do something that no one else had done. Like, let's host a comedy show. Let's get 15 comedians, two nights. Let's then cut the entire thing up with a crew that's done a bunch of specials before, do this high quality thing, and then turn around and say, let's capture this moment in time. The world's first comedy show destined for NFTs. 
on stage, everyone just shits on that, by the way, just like, what is this thing that I'm doing? I was paid to be here. And it was this authentic moment of like, I mean, Pete's like, you're going to spend your kid's college fund on this. And I love it. Thank you. But at the same time, like this appreciation for like how art is transforming in this way. And so I look at that as something really interesting because now you have people like Moses Storm who hosted the show who now has a very successful HBO special. And like the jokes that he did on Non-Fungible Joking, more than half of them are the cornerstones of this HBO special. And so if you are there and you saw it and you bought this moments, like that like early on discovery thing and what you would experience at an improv session where you're like, I knew them when they were playing in Chicago. At, that feeling is definitely there. And then we did it again with Hannibal, as Paul was talking about, and Paul part of that show. And and then with Tom and Christina in your mom's house, we said, okay, let's go differently. Let's take some of the most popular comedy content that we can find, right? They have 11 years of podcasts. They have 600 plus episodes of rabid fan base. And let's take a hundred of those best moments and just see what happens when we put those back out there and say like, you can own these things and you can participate. And first of all, I don't know if anybody has a better job than I do. You should, I mean, you get to title the tracks of like Tom and Christina's jokes. Like just the, that spreadsheet alone is something that people should be envious about what we get to do every single day here. And then for them, it was like at that level of, okay, like I don't trust these guys to go do this or not. And then we did the drop. We sold the thing out subsequently. We've got another one coming very soon with them with a whole nother chunk of content. And now it's like we're working with their studio, the YMH Studios, which is just this Ryan and Adab, this fantastic combo of people. And we're talking about like animated show, a bunch of podcast ideas and like things that are going to become like Web3 native out of the gate instead of it being retroactive content. Just like how do you create new things that sort of get fueled in this area? And then, yeah, so anyway, if you think they're evolving, we've got a number of really exciting things in the hopper that we're working on. But I like to see these relationships just sort of growing, really. Totally. That's really cool to hear a little bit more about the evolution. I really appreciate when a comedian destroys a heckler in the audience. I would totally want that collection of like the ultimate like bazooka body slams against the hecklers. You know what I mean? We'll work on it. We'll <laughs> it's like the old it. school NFL hits when they used to like put those compilations together, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it all goes on ridiculousness. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, like, you mentioned your mom's house podcast, and I'm remembering those were a couple, I think, of my laugh till you cry moments, actually. Watching their YouTube, they find these like obscure like YouTube videos. I think like their audience shares them with it, but there was like there's this video of a guy who's like really enthusiastic about like interstate highway in Canada. <laughs> And another one of a guy that's like really enthusiastic about like a train engine that's like coming into the station and they, they sort of like bring these things on and they like show you how ridiculous these moments are. And it's funny that I mentioned the laugh to you cry moments because those were a couple of those for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like I own a joke of or I own a bit of Tom's mom farting. And so when I had a chance to meet Tom backstage here at the Wang in Boston a couple of weeks ago, I'm sitting there and the first thing I say to him is, Tom, I'm very proud to say that I own your mom's fart. And he's like, what? <laughs> this is just incredible. What else can we do together? <laughs> it's just one of those like moments, moments of like connection that you just don't think you're going to have with somebody. So. I think comedy is such a special domain too to, for people to have comedy around like Web3 and NFT. And I think like, like I'm craving it, right? Like next time we do a convention, we have to have more comedy like for that audience. Part of what is, is interesting about it is number one, because it's a technology. And I think it's a new technology that kind of makes people uncomfortable in a sense, right? Because they're like not sure what to do with it. And any place you have a 
something that's new and unfamiliar, makes people like not sure what to do with it. They love to kind of have a laughing as a way of processing it. But what's interesting about this tech is that it's also so integrated with creativity, right? And so it really is kind of a perfect storm. And I'm really curious to see the evolution of what's going on in comedy and how that integrates into the new tech and and Web3 stuff. Yeah, we totally got to have a jam session at the next conference we do in LA. That's 100%. We had a great comedian that was the MC of the overall event. And Kristen Key, yeah. Yeah, do you guys know Kristen? She's awesome. Happy to connect you with her. I think she would find what you guys are doing to be super cool. She was great. She did a little bit about learning about NFTs and like going to Google and checking out YouTube and going down that rabbit hole and coming out like more confused than when she started. So it was pretty funny. Hilarious. You know, I'm starting to hear more and more, like even Alex hearing him talk about owning Tom's mother's fart. This all feels like merch on steroids. Like it's like merch that keeps giving back and grows in value. It's like you'll get a tour t-shirt and I guess you could sell it to a retro shop years later for maybe like $100 more, but it's like just really exciting to hear about like the amount of moments that you can NFT and create and fans can keep. It's like really cool. Yeah. There's just something special about the intersection of that with comedy. And I don't know, that co-creation process that happens, the importance of the audience to the process. I mean, one of the biggest losses of COVID for me was the comedy store and being able to cruise there on a Tuesday night or whatever and catch just this amazing lineup of people. I think most comedy fans even don't even know like what an amazing resource that was for comedy fans to be able to go out there in LA and experience that. But like what's happening with Jam and, and everything is bringing that into the digital age, really. So very, very cool stuff. And I think when we think like what's next, I guess, like that's like at the at the forefront of a lot of our minds right now for Jam and the roadmap. Like, could you give us a little bit of uh, insight as to where we think things are going coming year? Yeah, I think bottom line, we want to be able to add like some sort of more immersive experience on top of as much comedy content as we possibly can. And so if you think of the NFT as just like a key into some jam kingdom of some kind, the jam stadium, if you will, and inside are episodes of podcasts you haven't seen, our clips from Paul and Ian, just as used as an example for roommates that you haven't seen, there's ways to meet them in real life, there's community elements, like this just this idea of just like that next step. What happens when the curtain closes, when the mic gets shut off? What happens at that moment? How do you just consume just that little bit more for those things that you love? And so I think we're just constantly trying to ask and answer that question like over and over again. But I mean, we're playing with fun things like the metaverse play right now. We haven't shown anybody this thing, but like you can go watch clips that no one's ever seen before from some amazing comedians inside of like a Decentraland experience. This is really cool. Where does this fit in? I'm not sure quite yet, but I ask myself the question, who's going to be the comedian that you meet in the metaverse that you never actually saw in real life? That person's going to exist. Think about how many people are famous in TikTok and Instagram that you never have seen on the stage. And they have a massive following making significantly more money than all of us combined. And so like, it just, there's just so many interesting things that I think if we just like lean slightly forward can start to enable. And I don't know, maybe it's someone like Paul that has just like some genius moment as ours, a perfect example He's like the most forward leaning guy. If you haven't seen his work, it's amazing. And like, I think there's just going to be some cool new success stories. I mean, you mentioned this earlier. I don't know what all these things are going to look like quite yet, but we want to be there to provide as much of it as we can. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that metaverse play, there's so many cool things that can happen there that maybe wouldn't happen in real life necessarily. For example, like the hang you were mentioning before, Paul, where after you're done with the set, in the metaverse, you go into a separate room where those VIP NFT holders can go. And it's maybe it's like 15 people that are hanging back there and it's a Zoom room or whatever, and you're hanging out and bullshitting or whatever. But 
it's way more accessible than it would be the case if it was actually live in person, for example. I'm looking out for the augmented reality stuff. That could be interesting, right? I mean, the tech evolves where people kind of get immersed in it. It becomes like a little bit less awkward, or maybe the awkwardness is part of what's funny about it. But there's some interesting things that could be done with augmented reality and comedy and like props, thing, yeah, experiences and things going on and owning like those items potentially that happen in an AR situation. It could be yeah. some really cool stuff. Yeah, I did stand up. It was years ago. I was with an Oculus. I think it was like some metaverse thing. And then everyone in the room was just like different avatars. So it was like weird trying to make a dinosaur laugh or like whatever their, <laughs> right. whatever their avatar it wasn't even moving. It was just like them just doing boomerangs. Like they were just like. Right. Because the whole new meeting to know your audience, I guess. It's like <laughs> human as dinosaur avatar. <laughs> <laughs> but they were talking regular. It's like, I'm like, oh, hey. Still working on it. Yeah. So there's a relationship here with Dapper and Flow, which is pretty impressive. Like, how did that come to be? And how's it been working with them? Can you give a little bit of intel on that, Alex? Yeah, I think for me, Dapper shared a similar vision in sort of the idea that we could bring in the next billion users with experiences that weren't entirely like crypto centric. And so participating with comedy, I don't want people to have to understand the complexities of Web3 to just participate and be part of our experience. I don't care how technically sophisticated you are. You want to laugh at Paul? Great. Like come to jam. And so I think that I just saw that with things like NBA Top Shot and sort of the mentality was really aligned with us there. So we've built our experience around this, like paying with a credit card and checking out like a normal purchase. And so that's been sort of kind of nice partnership from that perspective. And yeah, we have all sorts of different things that we're doing sort of with them and have, uh, I don't know, from a technical perspective, I mean, we nerd out all the time. Like we rewrote some pretty amazing smart contracts so we could get like super nerdy if you ever wanted to. And that's like evolved even in their platform. And those things have been forked and used across their ecosystem, very collaborative group of people over there. And so from the NFT perspective, I think the other thing is just like the projects in that ecosystem have been really great to work with. So yeah, maybe this is a little bit too on the nose, but like, is anybody doing like comedian trading cards? I feel like that's an interesting potential niche there. Yeah, it would be hilarious just looking at the stats in the back. <laughs> How many jokes per game? <laughs> How many steals? <laughs> Carlos Mencia I'm gonna make, is number one. I'm going to make you write yours first, Paul, and then we'll use that as the, uh, as the prototype. <laughs> Wasn't someone hey, who's a comedian talking about jokes per minute or something like that or last well, minute? Who last per minute is a thing. It? There's Somebody actually just a guy. It's kind of sass. I don't know. Maybe somebody thinks this is cool. It was a little bit like too technical, but there was a guy who had a software for comedians. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And it was literally to detect your laughs per minute. And you kind of use it to like hone your set. And there is like a last per minute that like the good comedians can get or last per second or whatever it is. And if you're not hitting it, it is kind of dead. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be like a certain amount of decibel because like there are some laughs that are just like, don't <laughs> yeah, count. Right. So it, it needs to be like authentic, like a real pop. So I'd love to see the <laughs> software. Well, there is size per minute, there's booze per minute, and then there's a whole spectrum of stats, right? So, it's a, you know, you can get really deep on it. Or just nerding out, but yeah, you know, it's all there. That's it's all there. I don't know if this is the same one. It's kind of a joke, right? It's like Comedy Evaluator Pro. <laughs> what? Ethan can't get it this out. This is a real thing. Use your smartphone now to know objectively just how funny your stand-up comedy act really is. I actually want to know like, if this guy is actually raking in any money on this. It's a real thing. Comedy Evaluator Pro. Look it up. 
wait, wait. How does this work? Like you upload your set and then someone's like, I listen to your set. I think you just play, you do hit record with this thing on your set, or maybe you upload an audio file and maybe it has like a way of detecting laughs. And then it tells you like how often they happen. I think that's it. And I think that's wild. I don't know that it's going to be helpful, but it's a thing that exists. I think they should just make that the next America's Got Talent judge. <laughs> just put that phone. <laughs> yeah. There's something in there. Well, this is amazing stuff, guys. I think across the board, what you're doing is so fun. It's so relevant. There's a very wide spectrum of NFT use cases out there for creators. This feels like one that's authentically a really great fit. And we're all comedy fans over here. And so maybe we're biased a little bit, but I don't know. I feel like the uptick on this has got to be something pretty special and owning these moments feels like the kind of thing I think we'd all be really excited about for the people that we follow and are really passionate about. So just kudos for pulling that together and leaning forward into this for both of you and would love to continue to follow what you're doing and see where this thing goes. Yeah. As we wrap up this segment, guys, just kind of curious, we'd like to ask a lot of our guests this question as you kind of take a broader view of the NFT space maybe reflect on the drops that you've purchased or wish you purchased. Are there any sort of projects or platforms, technology in the space that you draw inspiration from that you're really excited about? I can start here. But for me, it's when I see projects like concept art that's turning into a show that I can have influence over, or like when I can see a through line to the thing that I'm buying to like sort of influence and like that experience that like money normally can't buy that's the stuff that gets me really excited. And so I don't know, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for something like that. I always want to buy things. I never end up on the whitelist. And so I miss out on basically every project. And then I don't have yeah. the dollars to go buy it on the secondary market. So I'm not a good example of this. I have plenty of NFTs, but they're not, <laughs> not necessarily all the ones I wish I could have had, you know? So yeah, yeah. Well, tune in because I did a show casting meeting earlier today. We have a show in the first week of May that's exactly on the topic that you just mentioned. So you'll have to check out that show, which will probably air the second week of May. Very cool. Anything for you, Paul, on other projects or inspirations you're seeing in the world of NFTs? Man, I've been so late. Like I was on Clubhouse like early on, and then I was just joined these NFT rooms and just like listen in on all the different things. And then I wasn't like paying as much attention to it. And then I like went back and I saw some of those assets that they were talking about that are now worth 50 times the amount. So it just seems like such a lucrative space. So I'm definitely on the lookout way more. And like Alex said, like I'm really interested in through line and background. Like I'm not interested in just buying something because I'm like, oh, I think this is something that could make money because other people think it's popular. Like I want to get something I genuinely like and believe in. And I think when you do the diligence, you can really find some awesome stuff. Yeah, right on. Yeah, so many people miss that additional layer, right? And they kind of get in it and maybe they don't make money on something and then they just forget about it and move on. The reality is even now, even with the mainstream getting attention into that world of NFTs, we're still early. We're super early. There's so much, so much more room to run on this thing. And everybody's going to be involved in NFTs in one form or another, whether they know it or not. They don't even need to know it. For Just sure. like how Jam is formed and how Flow was created originally. Swipe your credit card, you need to know that you own an NFT. You just got something cool and fun and there you go, right? So again, really appreciate it, guys. Going to keep our eyes on what you're doing. It's super exciting. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. 
It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplaces, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. We want to shift gears a little bit and head into segment two, which is a section that we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's basically a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. We have 10 questions. We're looking for short a single word or few word responses, but we may dive a little deeper here or there. You guys ready to dive in on this thing? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Alex, let's start with you, man. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Pez dispenser. Pez, nice one. (laughs) Paul, how about you? Oh, airheads. I bought some airheads and then I sold them for double the price. Ah, there it is. Mm, well done. Man, I got to go back. I think it was probably like the Bigfoot Chewy, like that candy at the baseball diamond was probably like the first thing. I, I think that's probably earlier than my pet. Okay. Well, we're still in the candy category, so that's good. So. Yeah. Question number two, Alex. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Lemonade. Like a whole stand? Oh, yeah. My parents were like loved garage sales. And so I would go try to like make some dollars on the side. I remember being so confused about how change worked and why I remember the first time I sold something and had to give change back, I started crying. I was like, why am I giving money back? <laughs> giving you more back than I got. <laughs> yeah, I feel that anxiety. I remember watching people at like the grocery store counting out the change and thinking, what are they doing? Like it's, yeah, anxiety inducing for sure. Paul, how about you, man? Is it those airheads or were you selling stuff yeah. before that? <laughs> oh man, it was those same airheads. <laughs> I basically bought them for a quarter from ice cream truck. And then I was like, man, I think I can make more. So I went door to door and I knocked and I sold it for a dollar. There you go. Yeah. And like some dude answered the door and then I was like, hi, I'm trying to raise money for my team. I didn't even say what sport. Nice. I, I just said, there's a team. And he was like, here, just give me a dollar. I don't think he even took the airhead. So oh, wow. all right. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag hustle, man. Good work. Question number three, Alex, what is the most recent thing you purchased? An umbrella. I left mine in LA. Believe it or not, I needed it. We all do at some point, I guess, right? Paul, how about you? The last legal thing I purchased was... (laughs) Wait, wait. It's not a requirement. I'm going to have to backtrack then. (laughs) (laughs) Man, the last thing I purchased, 
I purchased tickets to a comedy show. There was a comedy show that was in town and I bought tickets to go see it. I wasn't even able to go. So I'm not really using my money wisely, fellas. Well, we never said that was a requirement either. So thanks, brother. Question number four, Alex, what is the most recent thing you sold? Awesome question. I don't know. I feel like with four kids, I just spend dollars, don't sell many things these days. Mm. I mean, if you include jam, it's got to be our NFTs, but like, that's not a very yeah. exciting answer. We're looking for the truth. I know. Brother, that's all. That's we're, probably we're it. That's probably it. <laughs> all right. Cool. Cool. I'm uh, feeling like Alex sold something illegally to Paul. I just. <laughs> awesome. I mean, he is my Molly dealer, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> I think he stole something from TJ Maxx, though, and I think he sold it to Paul. <laughs> Well, that's Black the worst place deals. to steal. <laughs> Yo, you know what's so funny? I live in Detroit and I can't tell you how many pants I bought that had the sensor on that nice. I just still wore. It's like a fashion statement. Yeah, I'm like, dude, it, it's covered with my shirt. Like, no one can see it. I just wear bigger shirts. Man, the, the last thing I sold was a low-key hoodie, which hey. I'd love to send to y'all, man. Send me your addresses. Yeah, sizes. We'll do. Uh, the oh, sensor man. will be on all of them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Love it. Of course. That'd be amazing, man. Appreciate it. Alex, question five. What is your most prized possession? Man, I wish he started with Paul on these questions. <laughs> he gets the second half. He gets his- I'm just going to take your answer, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> the sentimental side would be my kids and my family. If I had, I'm like people that know me know I don't like have stuff. I'm not like a stuff guy. So I really have a real, I'm like the most boring answer here going with family. It's that fart NFT that you own, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. You forgot about it. I mean, that that is pretty true. If you can include like the experiences meeting, Mm -hmm. I mean, like who gets to meet Tom Segura backstage and talk about farts for a while? Like that is amazing. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, Don't ask you? him to compare the fart NFT with his family. That, that starts to <laughs> make somehow his brain in the same category. Yeah. The lines really blur there, and I'm going to have to explain that one later, Ethan. <laughs> Just ask your family to create a fart NFT for you, and then, they would gladly do it. There you go. So wait a second. You mean to tell me instead of spending money on your business, you could make money by NFTing the things that happen in our household every single night? Sign us go. up. It would be there a unanimous go. yes. Yeah, Alex, I'm going to sell you my burp. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Just every bodily sound. Something what, were, what, were we, what were you trying to sell at the NFTLH or at the show that we did at Loki? Uh, Something that you shouldn't have been selling. Hey. I mean, look, there's a lot of bootleg merch at NFTLA, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Everyone's like, where can I get that white hoodie? What white hoodie? What are you talking? <laughs> yeah, your logo's right in the middle of it. it. Really? But the cool thing is, is they also included our trademark, too. So. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> That's good. If you're going to bootleg it, at least include the TM in there. So Paul, what's your most prized possession, man? Man, my most prized possession. I mean, I was gonna say Alex, like aside from like the human beings in my life, like an actual physical possession is I ran track in high school and I wore the same track jersey from freshman year until senior year. And then I didn't even remember I even had it. And then I went to my mom's house and I saw it. And then I just like gasped. And I think I'm going to sell my gasp as an NFT. But it was just like such a wild moment because I was like, wow, this thing that I totally forgot about didn't exist. It's here. So it just, I immediately put it at home. I'm about to buy a frame for it. So I would say that's my most prized possession at the moment. Right on. I feel the same way about my third grade bowling trophies. I've heard about those, Ethan. I've heard about those too many times. All right, Paul, we'll leave with you in the second half here. Question six. (laughs) If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service, an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What do you got your eye on? Man, 
I would love to buy dinner with Chris Rock and just talk to him about slap defense. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, he's got a lot to say there. Yeah. Hilarious. If I could buy anything, I yeah. don't know. Like, I don't really want to buy an island. Like, I don't know if I want to like buy an actual thing. Like, honestly, like a fast car and like all these other things that like depreciate in value. Like, just as I'm starting to like get older and get more hip to like what matters in life, like they just mm -hmm. start to way less but like i uh, definitely think i want to if i could spend money on anything i just want to spend my money on an experience and like what that experience is is just like hang out with someone that's dope like even if it's like dinner with like a dope ass group of people i know this is a broad answer it's a good one though but sorry ethan it's a good answer you can't make your sales pitch on your island anymore in this episode. Yeah, I, I had so, to. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, looking for co timeshare collaborators. On <laughs> but isn't it hilarious? The person that's like a Bugatti. It's like, what yeah. the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Alex, how about you, man? I think I was going to say something like a trip of some kind. I really yeah. miss traveling the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to go to Japan. I've never been. So I'd say something like that. Yeah, right on. All right. Question seven, Paul, back to you. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? I would say my belief in God. Like I feel like more and more, like especially when I see the younger generation, I feel like it's just not enough like submission to like a higher power. And I feel like it's so important to me and it's like done so much for me in my life. And that's something I definitely pass on. Right on. Alex, how about you? Just sort of like the ability to meet someone and find some common ground, relate to them. Just like we're all vastly different, but like, I mean, I don't know you three, but I feel like I sort of know you three now, like just sort of that ability to connect at some level very quickly. If we could all do that and not be like face down on our phones, we'd be far better off. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Question number eight, Paul, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Man, I'm constantly trying to eliminate and kill my ego as much as I can. So that's definitely a personality trait that I would definitely love to see is just this idea of just submitting and just trying to let go of our mm -hmm. own ego, man. Yeah, man. Eckhart Tolle type stuff. There's a lot in that. A lot in that for sure. Alex, how about you? I think anything to have to do with, I think it's so focused on like multiple chess moves ahead without like living like right here now. So I'd say whatever the personality trait is that describes like being too focused on multiple steps ahead and like missing the present. That's it. Right on. Okay. A little bit easier. Question number nine, Paul, what'd you do just before joining us on the podcast? Just before joining you guys, my car stopped in the middle of the road for not having enough gas. And this was the first time that's ever happened to me ever. What? And yeah, I swear to God, the car stopped and then it stopped in my neighborhood. And then I went to go get my mom and aunt some coffee and donuts. And then I walked this coffee and donuts to my mom and then I gave it to her. And then I'm like, all right, mom, I got a podcast right now. The car's in the middle of the road, but I'm going to promise I'm going to go get it. It's so, still in the middle of the road right now. It's on the <laughs> side middle. <laughs> Amazing, man. Amazing. We're so glad you made it, buddy. We're so glad you made it. And you took the time to get your mom that coffee, man. That's something else. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Just, she took a sip and she said, where's the Splenda? And I'm like, listen. <laughs> nice. Is this all, am I getting this right? This is just contributing to the pandemonium that is Detroit or just like another car. Like a... <laughs> Something else. Alex, how about you? 
Uh, much, much more basic. I uh, <laughs> refilled my water bottle and ate a handful of almonds in that order. <laughs> okay. well, must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, last one. Easy one. Question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? think I know where we're going with this, Paul. Fellas, I am going to get this gas canister and I'm going to go to the nearest Sunoco. And, yeah, and uh, take care of this car problem. Awesome. Alex, how about you? I'm going to probably sprint down the street in Cambridge to relieve our babysitter. So I think <laughs> it murdered. And that's probably the best thing I can do. Well, if you need a ride, I'll pick you up, Alex. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, guys, we'll get you out of here shortly. But we do want to give first a shout out to you guys for indulging us a little bit with Edge Quick Hitters. We appreciate it. Lots of fun. So thanks for that. We also want to give a little bit of love to some of our fans and listeners who are out there that are in our Discord community and other places. And I know, Ethan, you had, uh, had some folks queued up that we wanted yeah. to talk about today. Yeah, totally. Let's say hi to Adar from the Discord, A-D-A-R. A really cool guy. He actually also showed up at, at NFTLA, was very enthusiastic to be there. And he's got a project called Grateful Giraffes. By the way, giraffes are a thing to look out for in the NFT space. I've, I've noticed there's kind of like a subculture of, of fun giraffe stuff going on. We have another person in our Discord who does giraffe NFTs. I've got a couple of them myself who also showed up to help out at NFT LA. He calls himself Herbertonic in the Discord. And actually, he did not get to attend the event because of a budget, but he actually came still to help us out. He was one of the folks like putting swag into the bags and kind of helping out the scene. So um, shout out to both of those guys and just giraffes in general. You can check out the Grateful Giraffes project if you just Google Grateful Giraffes NFT. And Adar was like hanging out at the at NFTLA. He had this t-shirt that everybody could sign and say the things they were grateful for. I signed it. Nicole Buffett signed it. I think Nicole's nephew was there for a few minutes and got involved in this fun stuff. So yeah, shout out there. Again, lots of cool genuine folks who are up to good stuff hanging out in our community. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Ethan. And fellas, you know, we always like to let our listeners know where to follow everything that you're up to with Jam, with yourselves individually. Where can they go to stay abreast of what you're doing? Yeah, ours is easy. Just www.jamjambb.com. And then everything else is linked from there. So Discord and Twitter are really the places to follow along with what we're doing, the latest drops, what's going on with Paul and Ian, all these things that are upcoming and exciting, but just head to Jam. Nice. Yeah. And Paul, do you got a place? Yeah, we got folks following you individually. Where are you active, man? Oh, man. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, at Paul Aaliyah, E-L-I-A. On TikTok, it's at Paul Aaliyah Comedy. And also, if you are in Los Angeles, Loki is going to be at the Netflix. Netflix is a joke festival on May 3rd. Loki is a part of that festival, which is really awesome. And that's going to be at the Peppermint Club. If you want to get tickets, just go to my Instagram, click my bio, and you get tickets right there. Yeah. And also we're going to be giving away some cool roommate stuff and some packs. So make sure to follow Jam and follow us to get more info on this cool stuff that we're dropping. And roommates officially drops. Can I say the official drop date, Alex? Do it. You can. Man, roommates officially drops April 16th. April 16th, you get the opportunity to join us and purchase your roommates NFTs. Again, we're going to be giving out packs and prizes and all that stuff. So make sure to follow Jam and get more info on it there. Yeah, that is amazing, guys. Uh, perhaps so get excited it's the 16th. About it. Perhaps it's the 19th. <laughs> guys, April 19th. I think 19th, it's Tuesday now. the 19th, actually. You know, it's the six upside down thing. <laughs> it's all guys, good. sixes are crazy. 
<laughs> the, giveaways like are, the giveaways are all still there we had some amazing things there that we're excited to give the listeners so that's great yeah we're really excited about it. keep an eye on our socials for all the details on giveaways and fun contests that we'll be running in support of this drop and everything the jam's been up to really cool stuff guys thanks so much again so i think we've reached the outer limit fellas at the edge of nfts for today so thanks for exploring with us we've got space for more adventures on this starship so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better how go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.